Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. Great to hear. Well, this morning, uh, I have the privilege to share a portion of scripture that's been with you, or to share this uh, scripture with you that's been on my heart for a while. Uh, we started doing this new song uh, called Peace Be Still. Uh, we've done it for a few weeks now. And um, I, I had give, been given the opportunity to preach to you and to speak to you about God's word. And I, I kept asking God, I said, what, what do you want me to talk about? What, what's important, Lord? And the song just kept coming back and coming back and reminding me um, of the the storms in life and everything that's going on. And so what I wanted to do was just simply walk through Mark chapter four, and we're going to be starting in verse 35. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, go ahead and open to that. I'm going to be reading from the CSB version. And so if you want to uh, read along and follow with me in that, but as you're turning there, uh, I want to share a story with you. There was a, a couple years back that my wife and I, we were able to fly out to Oregon for the first time. We went out, uh, flew into Portland, and then we had about an hour car ride over to a town called Hood River. And in Hood River, we had hung out there uh, for maybe three or four days and uh, had a little Airbnb. And, and after that, we had packed everything up. We uh, got into the car, went back to Portland, and then flew out to get the uh, get the journey going back to Gillette. Uh, this flight, however, was, was a little bit different than the flight that was going on out there, right? This flight indeed it just turned out that it was full of turbulence, right? And I don't do good with turbulence, not one of my strong suits. Uh, this, this flight was just full of turbulence. Just as soon as we took off in the plane, it was jam-packed. It was, it was bumpy. The, the entire thing was just, was just rough. But I remember one specific portion that got really bad. And, and the reason I know it was bad was not just because we were, you know, holding on to the, the seat rests and, and putting our seatbelts on better, but I was, I was watching the flight attendants, and I always try to gauge their reactions to see what happens next, right? They're always pretty cool at first, like, oh, don't worry about it. And then they might just uh, uh, do something else that's a dead giveaway right after that, right? If they keep serving food and drinks, well, you're, you're probably fine, right? If they say they quickly start putting the drink card away, you, you might know that there's some rough air coming, right? If they start grabbing for a parachute, well, then there might be something else you need to worry about. But I figured these people, they do this day in and day out, every day, all day. So these guys are a reliable judge of the severity of the situation. And today, we're going to be looking at a story out of Mark chapter 4, where the disciples would have been wise to approach the turbulence that they were in with a very similar line of thinking. By watching how Jesus responded instead of watching the wind and the waves. And then one evening in Mark 4... Jesus and the 12, they, they get into this boat and Jesus tells them, hey, cross to the other side of the sea. Right, but halfway across this lake, there's this windstorm that rises up and it just begins to beat their boat to pieces, it feels like. 
And that is where our story is going to begin today with a sermon that I'm calling Rock the Boat. And if you're singing that song in your head, I'm not judging you because I'm doing the same thing right now. So that's okay. Well, let's read Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 35. It says this, On that day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? He, Jesus, got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Well, church, this is God's word for us today. So let's pray and dive into this text. Lord, I thank you so much for this time that we can have to dig through your word, to to look at what you wrote so many years ago, that Holy Spirit that you penned through these men um, in in this portion of scripture, Lord. God, I pray that as we're digging through this, that our minds would be fixed upon you, that our hearts would be ready to learn. And God, as we were singing that, that last song, Run to the Father, that we would be reminded to run to you with all of life's circumstances and situations. God, we love you so much. We're thankful for this place. I pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds as you teach us today. Lord, please um, just, just push my words aside, Lord, and speak your truth here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there are three major portions that we're going to be looking at today in this section of Scripture. The first is the calm before the storm. And we read it, so we saw that there was some of that happening. We also saw that there was a fear that happened in this storm. And then lastly, there was a lesson that came after the storm. Jesus used this whole storm to teach them pretty valuable lessons and to teach us some pretty good stuff today as well. But first, let's kick off with the calm that happens before the storm. The first three words right there, it says, on that day. So let's, let's look back. Let's, let's get some context here. What happened on that day? Well, Jesus actually had a very full day of just tension. He had tension from uh, his family saying that he was out of his mind. They were actually trying to restrain him. They had tension from the Pharisees who were accusing him of actually being demon-possessed. Demon It was just a long day. It really gets tiring when people are just coming at you left and right, and you just have to keep defending yourself time and time again. But now to top it all off, there's this huge crowd that gathers around him right by the shore at the Sea of Galilee, right? And they want to see Jesus. They want to hear him speak. They want to hear what he has to say. They want to be healed by him. But this crowd, it starts getting so big that Jesus actually has to get into this little boat on the shore and start teaching them about these parables that he wanted to. These parables are about the kingdom of God. And what's fascinating is many people believe that he was teaching about the sower and the seed right on this place, which is called Sower's Cove. And you can see that makes a lot of sense because there's like a natural amphitheater right there, isn't it? Anybody ever been to Red Rocks? 
You've seen the concerts down there and everything. There's, you have somebody standing on the bottom and then this natural amphitheater that goes up. That's kind of not as big, but it's kind of the same thing here. You, Jesus would be out on this little fishing boat and he could teach right from the waters and these guys would have this natural uh, way to hear him. So he wouldn't have to shout too much. He would just be able to speak. Right, but now it's the end of the day. It's, it's getting to be evening. And Jesus now tells his disciples, hey, let's go over to the other side of the sea. And we already read this, so we know what happens, right? But, but here's the irony of this entire situation is that Jesus himself leads these people into the storm. Jesus led them into the storm, right? They didn't do this themselves. They were following a command. When Jesus said, hey, let's go to the other side, they were obeying the master, but he's God, right? He should have known that there was a storm that was gonna come up and cause these people to have little or no faith and cause them to freak out in this situation, right? They would have known, honestly, though, because they were professional fishermen, that a storm could have rose up at any given time, right? These guys knew the Sea of Galilee. They were fishing there a lot. They knew that it was home to a lot of violent storms that would just come up out of nowhere. It almost seems like they had big faith at the start of this journey that, Hey, there may not even be a storm, right? We have Jesus in the boat with us. It's going to be smooth sailing the whole time. But what they got was a lesson from God himself that just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that you're not going to have storms in your life that come your way. As a matter of fact, when we say, Christ, I believe in you, I trust in you, I want to follow you, what we're doing is painting a giant target on our back for the enemy, Right? You bet there's going to be storms that come our way as believers. But what we are guaranteed is that Jesus is going to be in the midst of the storm with us the entire time. Right? And the lesson that they got here was that, yeah, sometimes we have storms in life because of disobedience to God. However, there are going to be other times that there are storms in life because of obedience to God. Right? And there's no doubt that there are storms in life that are caused by us. Right? We reap what we sow. We've heard that before. Right? I remember doing some really stupid things in, in high school and college. You know, I got my adult life figured out pretty good. So, no, that's not the case at all. I'm, I'm fooling you there. Right? But God has been teaching me some really cool things and still teaching me some things from when I screwed up in the past with those bad choices, helping me to trust him even more. You know, and sometimes when we're following God... Even when we're following exactly what he wants, he's spoken clear to us. We're, we're following Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sometimes he will lead us into storms to teach us valuable life lessons, just like he did with the disciples right here in Mark chapter four. Right? There are things that we need to learn about God and about ourselves in the calm of life, but there are things that we need to learn about God and about ourselves in the midst of a raging storm. All right, well, let's keep going. Verse 36 says, So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. Other boats were with him. Okay, so they, they left this crowd. Now it's, it's evening. It's getting to be dusk outside, and they are on the Sea of Galilee wanting to get to the other side of this thing. So here's the scene to start. Oop, there it is. Here's the scene to start, right? It doesn't look too bad. It looks nice. It's sunset. It's the Sea of Galilee. That's pretty. 
Well, this sea is actually located roughly about 700 feet below sea level. And then it's surrounded by these mountains that are thousands of feet above sea level. So it's just making this giant bowl into the, into the earth that's just begging for wind and waves to come in and rock this place. Right? And the sea spans over 100 square miles. But then what's interesting, it says we, we get to this point where it says, since he was in the boat... What it sounds like to me is, is kind of like, well, he's already here. We might as well just take him with us, right? But, but that's not the case here. Uh, if you look at other translations and what the Greek was actually saying here, it says that they took him in the boat just as he was. It's an interesting statement. Right? That would mean that they didn't go into town to grab supplies. They didn't need more coats. They didn't need another pillow or anything. Jesus, he just gets done preaching from that boat. He says, hey, let's, let's stay in this boat and just go to the other side. Right? He's whooped. He's had a long day. And they want to go to the other side here in that same boat. But that phrase really got me thinking, though, like just, just as he was. Because how often do I or how often do we try and take Jesus and mold him into something that he's not? We try to force him to do something that's not even in his will, like it would work in the first place. We need to take Jesus just as he is and then form our lives to him, not the other way around. Jesus is way better, and his ways are way better. We need to take him as he is, not as we wish he was. I think a lot of times we just want Jesus to be a magic genie. Right? Hey, just give, me, just give me everything I want, Jesus, then I'll follow you. That's not how it works at all, right? We may, we may see Jesus working in the lives of others and thinking, man, I wish God would work in my life like they are with that person. That's not the thing. He's got you on a different path than that person, right? If you're following him, that's his will for your life, first and foremost, right? We should form our lives to him, not the other way around. So that was the calm that was happening before the storm. Jesus is actually prepping them for what's about to happen next. And now they get out into these waters that start getting pretty rough. And this is where they are going to encounter the fear that happens in the storm. The fear in the storm. So let's look at verse 37. Verse 37 says, A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. You know, windstorm really doesn't sound like too bad of a term for us from Wyoming, right? We're so used to wind out here. I know a lot of times we're used to walking sideways just so that we can stand. If it actually calmed down, we'd probably fall over. There's so much wind out here. But the Greek word here for windstorm is actually hurricane or a whirlwind, right? And this, this story is also told in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Matthew. And I really like how Matthew gives an account for this story, but he says it this way. In his words, it was seismos megas. Works for a boy or a girl if you need a name. Seismos megas, great name, <laughs> right? This storm is of seismic mega proportions, like Matthew is using earthquake terminology here to describe what this storm is doing. It's, it's massive. It's so violent that the waves are actually throwing water into this tiny little fishing boat. It really makes me think of my 11-month-old son when I put him in the bathtub with his old toy boat. Right? You, this boat's just sitting there minding its own business, and then out of nowhere, baby Godzilla comes in, just starts splashing around, and there's water outside of the tub, and, and this boat's stranded on another tile somewhere in the bathroom. It's only supposed to be a three-hour tour, Gilligan. What are we doing? We're stranded. So all this chaos is, is just happening. And, and where is Jesus in the middle of this? 
right? See, he got a paddle in his hand. He's trying to help him swim through it. Or he's got those big old orange Home Depot buckets, right? Trying to scoop water out of the boat. No, no, what, what does the text say? It says he was taking a snooze on a pillow at the front of the boat. He's trying to get some rest from this whole day that he had that was just full of tension and stress and preaching. It was a very, very long day. What this does, it really shows us Jesus' human side, right? He was tired. He needed to rest. But, but here's what's interesting. Think of all of the worries that have kept him up all night, right? It's the stuff that would keep us awake all the time. He could have been worried about the religious and the political leaders who were plotting against him, but he wasn't. He could have been worried about his family. He's like, well, they just think I'm crazy. He wasn't worried about that. He, He could have been worried about these overwhelming crowds and these people with their overwhelming needs that keep coming to him. He wasn't worried. He could have worried about the disciples he chose. He could worry about his future because he knew what his destiny was. It was to go to the cross for our sins. You know, with all of these things to worry about, Jesus wasn't worried at all. He wasn't worried in the slightest. He instead sleeps in this boat that is right in the middle of a hurricane. And he's sleeping so good, uh, maybe the boat's rocking him to sleep a little bit. I don't know. I, I remember my wife and I for our uh, honeymoon, that's about 10 years ago now, we went on a cruise and they uh, gave us a cabin that was toward the front of the boat. And I remember our first night on the boat, it just felt like it was just rocking us to sleep. Just the, the waves, it was a five-day cruise. It was so nice. And then we could open up the window and you could hear the ocean. Like, it was like a natural sound machine. It was great. Maybe that's what Jesus had, was a good rock and a good sound machine. I don't know. Right, but the disciples, they actually have to wake him up. He's sleeping so good to get his attention. They have to wake him up from this great REM sleep that he's having. And they're flipping out because of the size of this storm. Right, they go to Jesus, they wake him up, and they actually have the gall to start pointing their finger at him, just start accusing him because they say, teacher, don't you care that we are drowning? Teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? And again, these dudes, they were pro-fishermen. They knew, or at least they thought they knew, that they were going to die. Right, the storm is massive. It's, it's filling up the boat, Jesus. We're, we're toast here. And it got me thinking, do, do we ever say anything like that? Like, God, where are you? Jesus, would you just wake up so we don't die? You know, do you even care about me or care about us or about the situation that we're in? You know, why is this happening? Why did I have this medical diagnosis come up? Why can't I seem to get these things figured out? You know, Psalm 10 poses a similar question, doesn't it? It says, Lord... Why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? As Psalm 44, in the, the middle of the troubles here, a psalmist cries out and says, wake up, Lord, why are you sleeping? Get up, don't reject us forever. And then goes to verse 26 and says, rise up, help us, redeem us, Lord, because of your faithful love. You know, there are all kinds of people outside of the church who ask, you know, during these days like this, like, okay, you believe in God. Well, where's your God now? What's he doing? If God's so good, why is there so much evil in this world? And hey, there's great answers for that. I, I love studying apologetics. That's, that's one of my, my favorite things to do is the, those hard answers. I love that. 
But a lot of times, even a good answer like that is, has a hard time healing a broken heart. Right? And so God, where are you now? But let's be honest, church. A lot of times we ask those same questions for those inside the church, don't we? Like, God, what are you doing? God, where are you in this situation? Do you, do you even care that we're out here dying? You know, me, me, myself, my most question, or the thing I ask God the most is, God, why, why don't you just fix it? I know you can. You're the God of the universe. You can fix anything you want to. Why won't you fix it? You know, God, where are you in the middle of this storm? I think a lot of times, probably many of us have been abused by asking these questions. God, where are you? But I'm here to tell you today that you are not a lesser believer in Jesus Christ for ever asking these questions. Okay? Don't let anybody tell you that. You may be more authentic and real in your walk with Jesus by asking him these things, but never lesser. Right? The psalmist asked these questions. We just read those. Prophets like Moses, Habakkuk, Elijah, and there were more who asked these same questions. The disciples that Jesus himself chose and loved asked him these questions. Jesus didn't love them any less for asking these. He didn't say, man, you guys get out of here. You have no faith. Well, it's quite a bit different. He just used their questions to teach them some valuable life lessons, didn't he? And to teach them and to teach us today, on this very day, that God, where are you in this storm? He's gonna teach us that, hey, I am right here. You wanna know where I am? I am right here with you. You trusted me? Good, because I'm right here with you in the middle of the storm. I didn't leave you here. I'm not gonna forsake you here. I'm, leave, or I'm, I'm staying with you right here in this storm. Really reminds me of my, my daughter. She's two and a half years old. And uh, sometimes she'll, she'll have like a bad dream or she'll, she'll get an owie and she'll just run to me and she'll say, daddy, daddy. And you know, I, I look at her and say, oh, you of little faith. Ridiculous, right? Of course I don't say that. You should throw tomatoes at me if I say something like that. No, I bend down, I grab her, I give her a big hug and say, hey, honey, it's okay, it's okay. Daddy's right here. Daddy's right here, right? She's still going through the pain or the bad dream or whatever's going on, but I'm like, hey, 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 I'm right here with you. It's okay. We'll get it figured out. Church, God is right here. Okay, he is right here, never leaving, never forsaking us. That's why we can run to the Father and fall into his grace. So these guys, they ask him, Jesus, don't you care that we're gonna die? Verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So Jesus, right, he gets up, he probably rubs his eyes, got sleep in him, and takes a big stretch, right? He was not worried about the storm in the slightest and these guys are freaking out. Then he rebukes the wind and says to the sea, silence. Isn't that fascinating? He rebukes the wind. That, that's usually something we do to people, not to things, right? You rebuke someone, you don't rebuke something, Right, like often I'll have to tell my kids, no, no, hey, hey, you cannot talk to your mother that way. That's not okay. Or hey, no, no, you cannot touch the stove. It's on, it's hot. Or no, Quinn, you cannot kick the dog. I don't care how you want to do this. No, you cannot pee on the floor. You cannot pee in the sink. You cannot pee in the trash can. It's a little insight to the Nichols house for you, by the way, right there. 
But Jesus is talking here to nature like he knows it, but not only like he knows it, but like he has authority over this thing. Right? He tells it silence, or like the song we've been singing, right? He says, peace, be still. When I was looking this up, the, the Greek term there is actually something of a continuing action. So what it means when he said, be still, is say, hey, whether you be quiet and you stay quiet, right? You shut your mouth and you keep it shut. What he did was he put the storm in time out. This is amazing. He says, Storm, you go over there and think about what you've done, and I'll come out, or, and I will come and let you know when you can come out and play again. Do you understand me? I sound like my mother now. It's, it's crazy. Like, this is what that reminds me of. So a week ago, she told me that. It's ridiculous. But unlike the Nichols house, this storm doesn't backtalk. It just goes into timeout, probably sulks in the corner for a while, until God says that, hey, you can come out again. But now put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a minute. Right? Jesus just said three words, peace be still. And millions of gallons of water were just muzzled instantly like a rabid dog. What's going through your mind? I think I, think I would have been so shocked at that point, I could not have said anything, which is weird because I like to talk and a lot of you know that. So me not saying anything, that's a big deal. Right, but it's at this moment that Jesus turns to them and says, verse 40, why are you afraid? He says, why are you panicking? Why are you freaking out? Why are you acting like I don't know what I'm doing? And then he asks them another question. He says, do you still have no faith? Ouch. Right, they had seen Jesus performing miracles, casting out demons, spreading the gospel. People were getting healed and they still had no faith faith. What's interesting though is that notice that Jesus first rebukes the storm and then he goes and rebukes the disciples, right? He didn't get onto them while the, the storm was still popping and going. No, he, he calmed the situation and then he has this conversation with these guys. And that's what brings us to the lesson that happens after the storm. Right, the lesson that happens, because in asking them these two questions, Jesus is making them think about where their faith lies. Right? Is, is it in the weather, or is it in the one who controls the weather? Is, is your faith in this storm, or is it in the Savior? Is it in your situations, or is it is in the one who conquered death? What's interesting is he asks us the same thing today. You know, right now in the, the middle of the storms that we all have, we've all been through storms. And I've heard it said, either you're, you're in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go into another one, right? How are we gonna prep for those things, right? There's so much panic and concern and worry that is going on in our little town right now with, hey, what's gonna be the future of Gillette, right? There's a lot of concern for our nation and for our world, but I want you to see this, church. I want it to stick with you that faith is incompatible with worldly fear. Okay, faith is incompatible with worldly fear. But what is worldly fear? Let's define that. Worldly fear is carrying the concerns of this world like, like a pack that's on your back just weighing you down in such a way that we begin to lose perspective on life which causes us to then lack trust in who God is. Right? So faith is incompatible with this worldly fear. Another way to put it is that worldly fear is a sign that faith is actually not working in our hearts. 
Worldly fear is a sign that faith is not working in our hearts, right? So when we're worried about what's gonna happen next or what's gonna happen tomorrow, the, the physical stuff, the emotional stuff, the social stuff, other, other ways that there are to worry about, if we are prone to panic or worry like things are just out of control, that God's not in control anymore, God's calling us in his word to a faith that actually resists worldly fear. And if you look through scripture, one of the most common commands that God gives us and gives to his people is do not fear. He tells us that time and time and time again, hey, don't fear. Do not fear. And guess what? That is God's word for us still today. As we're reading the story, as we're remembering everything that he did, it is do not fear. For all of those who have faith in God, we have no reason to have worldly fear. We have no reason for worldly fear. Now, I've intentionally said worldly fear about 20 times in the past two minutes because of what happens here in the next verse. So watch this. After Jesus speaks, what does the Bible say? Verse 41. And they were terrified. And they asked one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In other words, terrified. In some translations you might be reading, it says, and they had great fear. Are you kidding me? The storm just stopped. Why do you have great fear now? This is saying they have more fear now than they did right in the middle of the storm. Maybe they had a regular kind of fear. It's like, oh, maybe we're going to die. They're kind of freaked out. But no, they see this and now they have great fear. They're terrified. Why? Why is that? It's because Jesus is standing in the presence, or I'm sorry, they are standing in the presence of Jesus, who now they know is God himself. And they truly believe that. There's an old uh, Jewish history that says if anybody claimed to control the weather, that they could actually be stoned to death because that's only something God can do. That's blasphemy. You can't control the weather. Only God can do that. <laughs> exactly. Only God can control the weather. You realize Jesus didn't stand up. He didn't ask the Father, hey, hey Father, could you please just you know, stop these wind and waves? He didn't do that. He, he didn't wave a wand and say, hocus pocus. He didn't knock on wood. He didn't throw a good thought out into the universe. He didn't rub a magic, a lucky rabbit's foot or something like that. If, if I haven't offended you yet, just wait. I'm sure it's coming. He didn't do any of that stuff, right? He, he stood up and he rebuked the weather. He himself, Jesus Christ did this. Right? And the disciples know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are standing in the presence of the great I am, Yahweh in the flesh, the same God who was, who is, and who is to come. The one who not only controls the weather, but the one who breathed the weather into existence and commands the weather, he created the weather. Right, in just a, this span of just a few moments, these disciples saw uh, not, not only the, the complete humanity side of Jesus, but they also saw his full deity. Right? They saw Jesus for who he truly is. He is fully God and he is fully man. Right? They saw Jesus tired, worn out, sleepy, being fully man. But then they see him commanding the wind and the waves and telling the weather to silence and be still, showing him to be fully God. Psalm 89, verse eight through nine says, Lord God of armies, who is strong like you? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging sea when its waves surge. You still them. 
you still them. And he alone, church, can be the one to still these storms in any situation. We just have to keep our eyes on him and trust his leading and not our own. I don't know if you remember about 30 minutes ago at the beginning of the sermon, I told you, uh, told you about the plane ride back from Oregon that we had had with all that turbulence and, and watching these flight attendants and trying to gauge their reactions to everything. But I left out the best part of this whole story. Left out the best part because what happens as everyone is trying to you know, hold on to the armrest and make sure their seat belts are buckled tight, try not to use that little doggy bag that's in the seat back in the front, There's this little girl behind me. She's about, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years old. And she's just giggling. She's laughing hysterically at what's happening. I I remember one point in the flight, she actually threw her hands up and went, woohoo! Like she was, we did that and then everyone else was like, oh, we went right back to freaking out. You know, the rest of us are freaking out and having this fear, but this little girl, she had zero fear on this thing. And I'm embarrassed to say that my fear came out in liquid form on the front of my jeans, but that's neither here nor there. But I think we can learn a lot from this little girl, right? It reminds us of that faith like a child. She wasn't scared at all. She was having a good time on this thing, right? She knew that no matter the size of the turbulence, that the pilot was still in control, right? She knew that no matter what was gonna happen, that she was okay. She's just gonna ride it out and have a good time. And it's the same way with, with Christ. We put our life and our hope in Jesus and his accomplished work on the cross. Then we know he's with us in the plane or in the boat, in the storms. And we have nothing to fear in life. We have no worldly fear to have. You know, these guys would have been smart, the disciples, to uh, look at Jesus' reaction to what was happening. Right? He wasn't flipping out in the middle of the storm. Jesus was napping pretty hard, right? He told them at the very beginning also that, hey, let's cross over to the other side. That was more of a commandment. Hey, this is what we're going to do. He didn't say, well, we're gonna try to cross to the other side. Hopefully we can make it. Hopefully we don't die. He didn't say that, no. He said, let's go to the other side, right? Him, and then this account says that there were other boats with him. So all these other people were following him as well. It's fascinating, So here's the big thing is is if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if Jesus is in your boat with you, right? If you are following his leading and not your own, I I have a profound word to share with you today. Chill out. Pretty profound, I know. But chill out, relax. Get a Snuggie. Grab a coffee. Relax. Jesus is still in control. God is still the one in control. And it's a good thing that none of us are. We would wreck that boat. God is right here in the midst of it all with us through the highs and lows of life, through the windstorms, through the whirlwinds, everything. And he never leaves us and never forsakes us in the middle of these storms. So before we go, though, I want to ask you guys just a few questions here. All right, the first being this, where in your life do you wish that Jesus would wake up and tell things to be still? Now, this is not for anyone else. Don't answer anyone else's question. Don't be elbowing your neighbor, right? This is between you and God. And be honest, right? These might be good questions for your life groups as well. 
The second question is, even if the storm never stops, how will you ride it out? Right? How are you gonna ride it out if the storm doesn't stop? And lastly, how does this story strengthen your trust? More importantly, in who Jesus is. How does this story strengthen your trust in who Jesus is? Right? And our answers to these questions should really show us where our faith lies. Does it lie in our situations? Does our faith lie in how much money is in the bank or, or how good my job is or my, my health diagnosis? When all that stuff is gone and void, then where's your faith? It's crumbled, it's gone. But where is your faith? Is it in Jesus, who is a solid foundation, though no matter how high or low things are, that he is firm and he is with you continually. Ask yourselves those questions this week. Reflect just you and God. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for today. Grateful to be able to read your word, to stand on your truth, to look at things that, that maybe we've seen before in the past, Lord. It's a familiar story. But God, maybe there's some new revelation that happened in our, in our hearts and in our minds. And God, I pray that you would take those things and that you would mold us to what you have for us. God, we don't wanna be molded to the world. We wanna be molded to you so that we can share your love and your truth with this world. God, help us to trust you in the middle of every situation, every circumstance. There's so many times where it's easy for us to just tell you to take the back seat and we'll take control. But God, we don't wanna live like that. We wanna walk by faith. We wanna live by faith, keeping our eyes transfixed upon you the one who has the authority over the weather, over the storms. And God, even if you don't clear out the storms, even if you lead us into a storm to teach us lessons, God, I pray that we would be thankful. God, that we wouldn't complain. That we could start to ask, what can you teach us? What can you show us? And how can you be glorified, most importantly, through all of these things? Jesus, as we sing this last song, Help it to just sear into our minds and into our hearts the truth that you give us, the love that you show to us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you bless us in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day and may God bless you.